So I want to speak as briefly as I can on something that I've been thinking about reading through this section of the Bible in Second Chronicles. King Asa has been a wonderful inspiration to me, but I want to uh, speak on, if I had to title it, something called Prayer, a Declaration of Dependence. Obviously, um, many of you would know what the Declaration of Independence is, uh, if you're uh, familiar with American politics or whatever. But I like to think of prayer as a declaration of dependence. It's a declaration of dependence. So King Asa, he was a good king for the most part. We read about it because... Um, Second Chronicles chapter 14, uh, he comes up against a, a huge army of Ethiopians and he has that great prayer where he, even though he's vastly outnumbered, he is praying, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go. There's his declaration of dependence. We rest on the Lord. And in thy name we go. And so the Lord wrought a great victory. It's one of the great victories of, of the Bible, one of the great stories of the Bible. And next chapter, he is uh, encouraged by the prophet that comes to him and tells him that the Lord is with you as long as you are with the Lord. That's a great encouragement. That's a great promise. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And Asa took courage, and he continued to reform. And in fact, they entered into a covenant. In chapter 15, verse 12, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, God of their fathers. Um, I suppose you could say it was a joint resolution for united prayer of sorts. Of course, uh, they took it kind of the next level because in verse 13 it says that whosoever would not seek the Lord should be put to death whether small or great, whether man or woman. That's, that, seems pretty, um, that seems pretty harsh or extreme. But I tell you what, when you're in a season where the Lord is with you and a revival season, which I would see this as being a revival season in the land, these things are not extreme. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like it's an imposition to have such a covenant um, where you are saying, yes, let's seek the Lord. And now, obviously, when you're not in a revival season, yeah, it, it seems like it's too hard. It's just too extreme. But it goes on to say that all Judah rejoiced at the oath. So you know that they were in a revival season because they just, they loved that they entered into this covenant. And they sought the Lord with all their heart. And with their whole desire, it says, verse 15, and he was found of them. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. 
they all together, under this covenant, under this joint resolution, they said, we're going to seek the Lord with all of our heart. This was not some tacit um, thing. It was a genuine heart seeking after God. And they found the Lord, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. And verse 18, it should be noted that Asa brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, silver, gold, and vessels. So Asa brings in all these precious things into the house of God. Wonderful, right? Well, what happened? Chapter 16, years pass by, and just a few verses later, it says in verse 2, Then Asa brought out silver and gold and the treasures of the house of the Lord. It's funny that we read just a few verses before. Here he's bringing in to the house of the Lord all the treasures and precious things. And then later on in life, we see him taking out of the house of the Lord all the treasures, all the things that are beautiful. And then in verse 3, there's a league between me and thee. Uh, so, so Asa enters into this unholy alliance with the king of Syria. And he's doing it obviously for um, reasons to protect his country. He thinks it's a, a wise move. And in fact, if you, if you read down through verse 6, it actually was a successful move. He didn't have to lose a single man. They didn't enter into any war, and yet he was able to defeat the, um, the, the armies of Israel as they were intending to come down against Judah. But he didn't have to fire a single bullet, as it were. But through this, this uh, maneuvering, with the king of Syria, he was able to succeed. And so one might think, well, that was a smart move. But it actually wasn't because the prophet comes to him in verse 7, chapter 16, and says, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Now I'll just stop here because when you read of this this sort of change, this pivot happening in Asa and Asa's life, which is very sad actually, and it ends very poorly for him, for him. But when you read about this, a few verses before, he's bringing into the house treasures. Verses later, he's bringing out treasures. And you might think to yourself, well, there was his problem. He was tampering with the the precious things in God's house, maybe in God's worship, and and maybe we could be pointing to that. Uh, we can be pointing to all of the all of the the treasures and the precious and holy and sacred things that are being taken out of God's house today, and we can point to that and say, well, this is our problem, or we can be pointing to the fact that we're uh, making unholy alliances with the world and that we're basically holding hands with them and um, and that kind of a thing. And be ye not unequally yoked with an unbelieving world, as we're told. And so we can point to that and say, that is 
where Asa went wrong, if we just correct those things, then then that would have fixed the problem. But at least in this passage, it's very helpful and extremely enlightening to me that the Holy Spirit uh, records for us the issue with King Asa. Now, these things were wrong that he did, and they're, they're written in, in the Bible to show us that this was, this was not a good thing that he did. But it's also very helpful that the Spirit of God notes for us what the problem was, actually. And that is in that word, rely. In verse 7, thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord. And to strengthen the point, in verse 8, were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host? In the previous chapter, the million-man army, weren't they a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. The problem that that was at the root of everything else, I mean, it was the reason why he took the treasures out of the house of the Lord. It was the reason why he formed this alliance. But the root of the, the whole issue was who he was relying on. And from that, it flowed all these other problems. And I just see this today as well with our churches. Um, you know, maybe not every church, but just generally speaking, that we can point to the things that are wrong in the church, let's say, the treasures that have been taken out of the church and substituting it with pragmatic things, things that would work and produce a good result, um, the alliances, maybe the worldliness, the carnality, what have you. But, and those things are, are definitely uh, wrong and uh, issues that we need to address but I, I tend to believe that the root of the problem, at least in this case, the root of the problem was where are we putting our dependence? Are we depending on a perfect this or a perfect that? And that, therefore, we're putting all of our hopes and dependence on those things. Or are we relying and putting our dependence on the Lord. And that's why I called this at the very beginning, prayer, a declaration of dependence. Because I believe that prayer is important, but it's not about even prayer. Prayer is simply a declaration of what is happening in our heart. I believe prayer is, is the manifestation of something, at least true prayer is. And so when you see uh, Asa back there in chapter 14 with his great prayer, he's saying, we rest on thee and in thy name we go. And that great prayer was his declaration 
of dependence on the Lord. And somewhere along the and then of course they entered into that covenant. Covenant of what? A covenant of prayer. A covenant to seek the Lord. That is their uh, declaration that they are going to depend on the Lord. Somewhere along the line, that stopped happening. It's a little bit like King Uzziah. If you read, there's a little phrase in there where it says, As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he continued to seek the Lord in dependence, in prayer, because that's what seeking the Lord is. It's prayer and dependence. God made him to prosper. So something must have happened throughout the years in Asa's life where that stopped. At least it shifted. Or something, maybe not the prayers have stopped, but something in his heart shifted where he was no longer really depending or relying on the Lord. And and that's all I'm going to say uh, this morning because I've been very... Um, really blessed thinking about this and I, I love reading about the kings they're so instructive but the root of everything friends to me is dependence on the Lord relying on the Lord and that is evidenced at least in part by prayer and so when you see a lack of prayer or a lack of the prayer meeting, uh, say in churches or or even in our own lives, well, surely would that not suggest that there is a diminishing at least of our dependence on the Lord? I'm feeling the need for the Lord more and more with what we do here, but just generally looking around at the situation the landscape of the church and i'm i'm feeling it more and more i i hope you are too so we must encourage one another to continue to seek the lord as asa did at one point in time with all of our heart and all of our desire and all of our might So let's do that now.